everybody. I hope that you're having a blessed Wednesday. It is April Fool's Day, but uh, this is no joke. This is our 8 a.m. devotional. My name is Tim Liston. I am pastor of New Hope Church, and here's what we've been doing. Uh, we've just been reading through the book of John, and my hope through this uh, weird time period that we're in and getting into God's Word is just, just to give you some encouragement. And, and I hope that this encouragement and this word right here is building your faith a little bit each and every day. Uh, newsflash, we will make it through this. We will make it through this. It's going to be a little longer than we expected or than we wanted, but we will make it through this. And, and I would encourage you, do not miss the opportunity for God to do something in you during this time that we're in the desert, so to speak, and uh, he can do he can do some good things. He can bring some good out of bad. And I also want you to remember that you're not in this alone. There are a lot of people that are joining us each and every day on our streaming platforms, and you know thousands upon thousands uh, by the time that we're done watching on demand and so forth. But most importantly, so you're not alone right now. But most importantly, God is with you. So you're never alone, even when this uh, devotional is over. So if you would, in the comments section of YouTube or uh, Facebook, let us know where you're from and also take an opportunity to encourage each other. Your, your, your simple act of just telling us where you're from is encouragement to other people. So do that. Uh, if you have a need, a prayer need, put that out there in the comments. Others of you, you've been doing a great job of this. It's just been uh, been bringing joy to my heart. You've been praying for each other, even in the comments section. And I so appreciate that. And I know God is smiling when he sees his church family loving on each other like that. So keep up the good work. Well, get a Bible. <clears throat> if you have a Bible, get a Bible and join us in John chapter 7. If you want to follow along, we're going to be going through this chapter today. We're on a schedule now with these devotionals, so we'll hit the right chapter for Easter. And so today we're going to read through the whole uh, chapter seven, through the whole thing, which means I need to kind of stay more focused than I usually am uh, in this devotional and in reading the text. So John chapter seven, beginning verse one uh, in, in my Bible, uh, the, the heading, which is the New International Version, the heading of John chapter 7 says, Jesus goes to the Festival of Tabernacles. Jesus goes to the Festival of Tabernacles. Let, let me say something about that first. Uh, what is the, the, the Festival or the Feast of Tabernacles? Uh, it's an annual celebration among Jewish people that goes all the way back to ancient times. And, and they were remembering their time that they spent in the wilderness as they were coming from uh, where they'd been released from slavery in Egypt to the Promised Land. And so nowadays, what they, even now, even now, I'm talking to this day, what they do is, during this Festival of Tabernacles is they set up a, a tent or a tabernacle or a like a, just a real rickety structure outside of their home. And you can Google this, you can see pictures of the people who've set up these little temporary shelters that might be made out of just cardboard or something in front of their homes. And during this uh, festival, which lasts a week or so, they might have a meal <clears throat> inside of this temporary structure. 
They might even sleep in it uh, for one night. But what happens in this week-long celebration or what's supposed to happen is they're supposed to be reminded that God has chosen to tabernacle with them or to live among his people. And that when their ancestors were coming through the wilderness, uh, headed toward the promised land, and they lived in tents, that God was there with them and he provided for them every step of the way in their wandering. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a good reminder for us that since we're kind of wandering through this desert, like I said at the beginning, through this wilderness right now, and, you know, a place that we're not familiar with, a place that we don't want to be in, that uh, we can remember that God has provided in the past. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you to go set up a tent in your front yard or in your backyard, but just it's probably a, just a good reminder for us. God has provided. He's provided in the past. He's going to provide right now your every need. and He's going to provide for us in the future. Uh, Philippians tells us that my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I know this today that he's going to provide what you need for your soul. Okay, now we can get to the text. Uh, this is chapter 7, beginning verse 1. <clears throat> After this, Jesus went around Galilee. He did not want to go about, meaning around in Judea, which Judea is closer uh, to Jerusalem where the religious leaders had their headquarters. Uh, he did not want to go about in uh, Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers, who didn't believe in him at the time, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one wants to become a, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret since you are doing these things. Show yourself to the world. They're kind of almost uh, taunting Jesus. It sounds like they're encouraging him, but they're taunting him. Uh, and you can see that in uh, verse, what is it? Verse five, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. That's how we know that they were taunting him. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. You might ask the question, how could his own brothers who grew up with him not believe in him? Because remember, Jesus did not start to reveal his glory, reveal his miracle working power until he was 30 years old when he uh, turned the water into wine. His, and, and, and his brothers have basically avoided him. So more than likely they haven't seen what he's doing up close and personal. They've heard about it, but they are very dismissive of Jesus, uh, which leads me to say something. Sometimes the hardest people to reach are family members. Some of you know that. Uh, verse six, therefore Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. Now, remember all the way back in chapter two, he didn't really want to do the first miracle. Remember when his mom asked him to help out with the wine shortage at the wedding celebration. He, 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 he told his mom, mom, my or woman, my time has not yet come. And that's because every day that he exposed himself to the people by miracles, then the people who wanted to kill him uh, would see that, which meant his crucifixion would be near. 
and he's got a lot to do before he gets crucified. He's got a lot of teaching to do. He's got a lot of disciple training to do before time's up. He's not afraid of giving his life for us on the cross. That's what he came to do, but he's got other things to do before that day arrives. And so his brothers come to him. They're talking about, you need to leave for the feast now. You know, at the beginning of this thing, when there's this grand celebration, you need to be there for that when it's big at the beginning and everybody's showing up and you can make a big splash and let us come and watch you make a big splash. So they're kind of toying with him and taunting him, you know, get the feast rolling with your fame since you're so great. Verse uh, six, Jesus said, my time is not yet here for you guys talking to his brothers. Anytime will do the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. A, a better translation of this would be, I'm not going to the festival yet because I'm trying to stay under the radar. And sure enough, in verse nine, after he had said this, he stayed in Galilee for a few more days. He stayed there while the festival got going. Uh, However, verse 10, however, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, but not publicly, publicly, but in secret. So if you're wondering, did he lie? No, he didn't lie. He just didn't go to the festival yet, which I said would be a better interpretation or translation of this. And he didn't go with them. And here's why I say that verse 11. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? So he knew that they would be watching for him. Among the crowds, there were widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not, I'm in verse 14, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does not does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Verse 19, has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. So uh, uh, Jesus is a truth teller, if we establish that. And so he kind of goes all in on these religious leaders who are uh, in their hearts wanting to kill him uh, outwardly, uh, maybe acting a little bit interested, but inwardly wanting to kill him. He says, uh, he says this into verse 19. Why are you guys trying to kill me? Why are you guys trying to kill me? Verse 20, you are demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you're all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs way before Moses, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Now you gotta understand, if you've been following along in this devotional with us, he's been healing people like crazy, but he's been doing so up in Galilee. 
which if you get out a map and look at the Holy Land, you're gonna see Jerusalem down in the southern part of Israel, Galilee up the top, uh, around the Sea of Galilee, that area. So he's been up about 80 miles north of Jerusalem doing all this healing. At the, the, he, he says, I heal one time on the Sabbath, you guys are upset. So he's probably talking about where he healed the man who was an invalid that we just talked about a few days back in chapter, uh, John chapter five, he did so on the Sabbath. And so again, he, he can do all kinds of miracles way up north away from Jerusalem, but now he's in this sort of uh, hot zone for him personally, where he gets in trouble when he gets too close. And when he does the work of his father and the religious leaders don't like it, Verse uh, 24, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask him, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? Verse 27, but we know where he, this man is from. When the Messiah comes, uh, no one will know where he's from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because here's some uh, divine protection. He's got divine security with him, okay? Uh, no one laid a hand on him because, uh, because his hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, he will, will he perform more signs than this guy's doing? Like Jesus is putting it out there. Verse uh, 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said in verse 33, I am with you only for a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I'm going, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go to where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me? And, and where I am, you cannot come. On the last, is verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow within them. By this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. We're in verse 40 now. <clears throat> On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? By the way, Bethlehem is about six or seven miles from Jerusalem. But people were thinking that since, I guess they were thinking since Jesus lived up in Galilee, he was born up in that area, maybe in Nazareth or somewhere else. Uh, verse 43, thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, 
but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests. See, they were sent to arrest Jesus. So they go, they go back, they go back to the, they go back to the, uh, uh, finally the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked him, why didn't you bring him in? Uh, verse 46, no one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied, to which I say, ouch. Uh, verse 47, you mean he deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or, or uh, the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Verse 50, Nicodemus, and, and if you've been tracking with us Sir John, you might remember Nicodemus from chapter 3. Um, he's the guy who was a member of the, the ruling council there. So he was a big dog in the religious system there. But he had gone to Jesus in the middle of the night to ask Jesus questions because I said back then in chapter three, I'm going to say it again, I think he was more than interested. I think that he really believed in his heart of hearts that, that uh, Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, as I said, when we were in chapter three, Nicodemus went on to bring uh, spices to anoint Jesus's body once Jesus was put into the tomb, 75 pounds, 10 times the normal amount of spices. And, and so the guy here, you can kind of feel it here again. I'm at verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and in the middle of the night and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? So Nicodemus is having some deep thoughts about Jesus. I think that they could sense that and they tried to shoot it down. Verse 52, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Boom, they tried to put a ending on that. So they were still in denial, even though, even though they were celebrating the festival that was pointing them to the day when God would literally physically dwell among them. And he was, and they missed it. They were too busy with their festival with checking everybody's ID that they missed the revelation that God was making known to them in Jesus. And, and friends, I don't want you to miss it. This whole thing, this whole thing that we're in right now, this virus and this lockdown and this social distancing and, and it's, it's going on for too long. And, and so forth. This, this, this present circumstance is a great opportunity to see Jesus, to see him provide, to see him comfort, to see him lead, to see him use us for his work, to see him give us peace, to see him show up, to see him reveal his glory in our time of doubt and need and 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 he will show up amen i want to pray for you heavenly father help us to see you in the middle of this journey through the desert that we're on right now i pray god that you would uh, as i always pray god just heal those who are sick lord protect those who are healthy, uh, for those who are 
have lost wages or lost a job, I pray that you would make up the difference for them financially. I pray that you would help our leaders in the decisions that they are making. Lord, give them your wisdom. I pray, God, that you would give uh, guidance and wisdom to the researchers that are looking for answers for us right now. I pray for those who are on the front lines of this battle, Lord, our doctors and nurses, hospital workers, and so forth, that you would please keep them safe. God, please watch over my church family and keep them safe as well. I pray all this in Jesus' name and all the people said, God bless you guys. I will see you tomorrow morning. Please invite a friend to join us. Uh, we're gonna make it through this. Best way to make it through is together. Love you guys. See you soon.